0: This episode of the Nick Bob Podcast is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors. And uh, we all know that putting in some new windows or a new door can be really exciting, but it can be a little intimidating because sometimes you don't even know where to begin. Let me help you out. First of all, you got to go with Pella. That's a given. And there are a couple directions you can go to get things started. First of all, you can schedule a free in-home consultation. That's right, free. You're going to be able to get a Peller expert out to sit down with you, look at your home, and they're going to be able to get a Phil Jackson triangle offense s game plan for you that fits your budgets, your wants, and your needs. That's one option. Or you can add out to the showroom. Showroom's really cool, man. Sometimes they're... Helps to actually see the window, see the door, open it, close it to get a better feel for exactly what you are going to be putting into your home. Your home, So the showroom is a great place to go as well. Any direction you go, just know that Pella can provide window and door solutions to any home. And you're going to be with some great people as well. Give them a call, 402-493-1350. That's 493-1350. Check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. All right. Uh, It is the finale of The Last Dance, episodes 9 and 10. Tons to uh, dive into. This was fantastic. And uh, yours truly, Nicholas Allenbaugh and Bo Rude, we had some fun with this one. We had said that we were going to do cigars and drinking whiskey to honor Jordan uh, while doing this pod, and we did it. We took... Uh, our act outside of my podcast room and went out into my back patio. We fired up the cigars, we got the whiskey going, and uh, we broke it all down. This was a blast. Certainly a lot to talk about with Michael Jordan and uh, this Last Dance documentary and the finale. So without further ado, let's get to it. Nick Bob Bo Rude recapping the Last Dance episodes 9 and 10. All right, here we are. We are not in the pod room. We are on my back, kind of like patio, because my wife said we can't smoke cigars in the house. But who the boss hey. now, wifey? Hey. Who the boss now, take wifey? It outside, but they can't uh, take the cigar from your mouth. You know what I'm saying, man? <laughs> bo rude, Nick. Bob, we are, and we'll put some pictures up as I spit out a little bit of my cigar. We each have big ass, fat cigars. We each have. Some whiskey on the rocks. I do have, and you will be able to see it. I have a baseball bat in honor of the moment the male species peaked when Jordan was holding a bat, smoking a cigar, talking about the art of talking trash. And we are recapping the uh the last dance. It's all over. We just watched it, and uh, here we are. Do I mean? I got to tell you, I haven't smoked a cigar in 10 years. This, is, this isn't half bad, my friend. It's
1: fun. It's been a long time. It's, uh, it is the perfect way, though, to cap off five weekends in a row during quarantine Yes,
0: that we have got to spend doing something we absolutely loved. This has been incredible as my dog Kobe barks because there's a little Scott Burrell. Scott Burrell over there barking, <laughs> so Kobe's going to bark at him. Johnny, people, telling you, people, this is, uh, this is how it's happening. This is good, though. I mean, we had to – we've been talking about this for about, like, the third or fourth episode of, like, listen, do we have to do a recap on all this while smoking a cigar and, and drinking some whiskey?
1: Yeah, I think once we saw, like, Jordan was so openly making whiskey and stogies a part of his documentary, we figured, (laughs) well, we better make that part of our pot at some point. And uh, it kind of worked out perfectly. A nice afternoon recap.
0: This is great. So we're recording this on a Monday afternoon. It's about 445. Uh, we apologize if the sound quality isn't as good as the normal pod room. Again, we are outside, so you might hear dogs barking, as we just heard Scott Berailed a dog, was barking. <laughs> you might hear very. there might be someone that fires up lo- mowing the lawn, uh, but it's over. I mean, I think a part of the, the fact that I'm glad that we're, we're doing things that can you know, stimulate our minds... Is dealing with the fact that 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 documentary is officially done. We just finished episodes nine and ten, and so you and I usually talk about how we want to structure this stuff. You know, the final two episodes were all about ninety seven and all about ninety eight, and they jump back and forth how they usually do it. But we decided let's just talk about all of ninety seven, the stuff that jumped out of us at us, then all ninety eight, and then we'll put a bow on this thing. Uh, I hope my my cigar is not going to go out. Will it? Uh, no, no, you'll you'll be good. Good thing you you knew to cut the cigar. You said, "Nick, do you have a cigar cutter?" <laughs> I was like, what? "What do you mean, like scissors? <laughs> what do you mean?" <laughs> we use a knife, everybody. We use a knife. We use a knife Isn't to pretty. cut that you use to cut like strawberries. Okay, so 1997,
1: I think the first. Where did they even start in the for the 97? Like, where was the first flash? You know what's funny is they they didn't even the whole 97 season. They didn't. Go they over they, the they season, just went did they? to the finals. I think they said because that's what we remember. The last episode we said how are they going to fit it right. all in these two, and basically they said we're ninety seven. We're going right to the finals, and that's that.
0: We're, and which is great because there's a lot in there. I think the big there's a couple of big things. I think. uh You know, and we'll get at the end of, like, our big questions talking about everybody that was involved in the documentary and like, how we view them, what we learned, all that stuff. I wouldn't say there wasn't anything we learned that was totally new other than the flu game wasn't necessarily the flu game. It was the food poisoning game.
1: And if you're reading between the lines from Tim Grover, his trainer, his buddy that's always with him, that were in the room at the time, Jordan wanted pizza they order a pizza, five guys show up to deliver it. And anybody that's ever gotten a pizza that knows that you've never had more than one person ever deliver never. pizza. So the conspiracy now is, did these five guys from the pizza place do something to that pizza? I don't know what you do to make sure he gets food poisoning. I don't know if you throw it on the floor or what you do. But that you could see without them saying it, they wanted to say, we got set up.
0: Because there's a lot – because Tim Grover, the trainer, said the second that pizza got there and there were five guys there peeking in, all that stuff, he immediately – like his intuition perked up like, I don't – this isn't good. And Jordan said he ate the entire pizza.
1: Only him.
0: Only him, which is just (laughs) – one of the the amazing things about this documentary is just the amazing fact that like, you know, you would assume these top-level athletes are like – hydrating and, like, this dude is smoking cigars, eating whole pizzas in the NBA Finals. Like, it's incredible. But I, th- I think one of my
1: favorite moments of the whole uh, episodes, of the two episodes, is where they're talking about Jordan as a guy who lives in the moment all the time, and he's, he's like, jamming out in the on the bus. He's making jokes on the way to the arena. He walks on the floor. He tells everybody... I drank two beers already today. Yes. Smoked a cigar, played the piano, <laughs> and it's game night. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, in, in, in same way you're talking about the pizza like but like he's Michael Jordan. Like he worked hard, he trained hard and everything, but he's also Michael Jordan. He can eat a pizza before the game. He can smoke a stogie. He could probably have a couple of beers and it doesn't matter cuz he's Michael Jordan.
0: I think I think that's and we'll get more into this in like what made Jordan Jordan, but I almost think that rare air author made that point of like what made him special was he was one of the few people that could be fully present in the moment and think about it when you're fully present in the moment you're not you're not held back by anything that's happened in the past and you're not paralyzed by anything that could happen in the future yeah. you're only thinking about what's happening now yeah and that is good for an athlete it's in good a lot for of different it's ways. good
1: for clutchness things like when it when it comes to pressure situations the people that can live in the moment are the best and the people that are thinking about what they're going to write tomorrow are the ones that usually Get scared, buckle up, or don't want to be a, like they want to pass that rock and get away from it. And Michael was the guy that was like, his mindset was like, how how can you be worried about tomorrow if you haven't taken the shot yet? But, but what's, like, weird,
0: what's weird about that? And let's just go there with it, and then we'll get back to the to the pizza in a second. But like, one thing that's weird about that though is somehow he was able to, but yet he was confident because of what he had. So like, a part of being present though is to not forget about like you. You still have to remember the past because the past is how you gain confidence. You know what I mean? Yeah. So he's able to, while he's able to, as Bo lights the cigar back up, we're already we're already struggling here. Uh, he was able to be present, but still remember the past and be confident about uh, and like reference those things, which is just I don't know. Like I, I think there was elements of that that were interesting to me, but I think it goes mm. to show you, like the night before the NBA finals, like he's just I bet he was playing cards with Gus, his boy, who became a father figure to him. That was a great storyline too. Uh, but I think he just wanted a pizza. It didn't matter. They're like, uh, should I not? He's just like, yeah, I just want a pizza. But he was up every night anyway playing cards, you
1: know, like staying yes. up late. Like those guys, they – I'm still trying to wrap my mind around these guys that are so talented that they don't need to get their sleep, eat perfectly, hydrate. It's like another level of talent that I, I'm – you know – Unless you are that, you probably don't understand I don't. that mindset. I Dennis don't. Dennis Rodman mean. skips skips practice to go to the WCW for a night.
0: Like, think about that in the middle of the NBA finals. In the middle of the finals. I don't. I don't. It's it's unbelievable. But okay, so come on. You know. I guess just first of all, does it does it alter anything to you that the flu game wasn't really the flu? He didn't have the flu. Doesn't mat- that doesn't matter. It might to me. be like, worse.
1: I, I think food poisoning could be worse in a twenty four hour span than anything else. I've had. I've had I'd rather poison- have.
0: I'd rather have just like the flu than food poisoning. Food you ever poisoning, had really bad food? Po- I mean- I've had
1: it t- maybe twice in my life, and it was brutal. I'm talking brutal. Like you can't do anything. So for him to play. In the NBA Finals, in play almost every minute. I think it was 44 total minutes he played, and it's unbelievable. It's crazy. But that's Michael Jordan. He has that ability to, and it's shown in this documentary to compartmentalize. He's there, even in between timeouts, is when he just does it. And as soon as, you know, the whistle
0: blew for the timeout, he would just his body would just shut off and go dead. I mean, he. And here's the thing with, with him. Like, you can tell when someone's really hurting. Like, the, the body language, the look on his face, like, he was hurting. Yeah. And he's also one of those guys, like, He's a he's the kind of guy that is show the opponent no weakness. Like he's some guys want to ham that up, yeah. you know, and like dramatize it and and play it up. That's not Jordan. You could tell was like a pathological, maniacal. Like I don't want to give my my opponent any sort of confidence at all. Yeah. So showing bad body language and all that stuff. That's not in his DNA whatsoever. So the fact that like all I know is, you right now, if you just gave me a bunch of images. Of Jordan in games, and it could be just from from throughout the 1997 season, and said point at the games where he has the like it's the flu game and not. You'd easily be able to point out the games that he had the flu because you can just see it on it. You can see in his eyes. He was like, "Oh my god, I'm hurting here." You can see it on him. Oh, this cigar boy! (laughs) 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 I've never felt cooler. You. We're struggling here. We're having to relight up. It's a little windy in here. It's a, a, windy. It's, a, it's a little on the windy side. Maybe Jordan was right all along. Maybe the meaning of life. Compete your ass off. Play to win. Smoke a cigar. Talk a little smack. This is just fantastic right now. Uh, but the... Because the, I've heard some people... I've tried to avoid spoilers because I wanted to. we wanted to watch this together on Monday instead of on Sunday. And... There's some people acting like they don't buy the food poisoning story. But my question is like, well, what do you think?
1: I don't understand. Um, So the only, I mean, are they saying that Michael was doing something else that night? I don't know. And those guys guys are covering for him?
0: Yes. That's That's the sense I get is some people think something else was at play. Because I remember for a while there was a big rumor going around for a while that Jordan, the flu game was actually Jordan was hungover.
1: It's not out of the question.
0: Not necessarily, but I, I also... Mean, you,
1: you you hear Mike before another game said I had a couple beers this morning.
0: Like, would it surprise you that Jordan... And it's crazy to say this. The greatest basketball player of all time, the greatest athlete or competitor of all time the night before an NBA Finals game, would it surprise you the, the cars started flowing, they got out the drinks and all that stuff, and before you know it, he had too many? I don't know. Maybe. But... I, I don't I, I see. Don't, I don't see him
1: where- having that effect. Like that, the effect that he had on him wasn't "I'm hungover." It was "I'm hurting." Right. And and everybody that's been hungover, you know, a few hours later, you get up, you can work out. It doesn't. It doesn't make you look like you're you're like hurting. It's just like, hey, this kind of sucks. But if he, if Jordan was a guy that. Would, would do drugs in his, at some point in his life, I would say, hey, maybe he did some drugs and that but was that what... It. But that's not Michael Jordan. He's no. a he's more like a, a whiskey and stogies guy than yes. he is uh, try experimental drugs.
0: But I think it's... Uh, I mean, so then the other side of it is that it's entirely plausible. And the thing that's crazy is that... Oh, this is the one thing I was trying to figure out with everything. For him to... For five different people to come to deliver the pizza. It almost you you almost think did Jordan like did when they ordered the pizza cuz sometimes you got to give a name and all that stuff like did they order this pizza in Salt Lake City, Utah uh, under Michael Jordan's name? No way. So there's no, no way, way they
1: did that. So the people that he's with, they they've been around the block enough that right. they they probably do the ordering, but the my guess is that they said, "Hey, here's a pizza." It was late at night, where they're like,
0: "This is the hotel. This the is the bowl." Staying at. Maybe you're right, and they thought, "You know what? I bet you this is Jordan or somebody, right?" Or they just thought, like, or or maybe like it just was freak coincidence. Because like I think the thought is like, did okay, did this pizza place intentionally sabotage this pizza? Or sometimes you get food poisoning. Like you sometimes it just like could have been a freak accident. The, fi- but-
1: the five dudes showing up. With the pizza, is
0: beyond weird. There's something about that that is, but I guess like right now, like if you if if you have to pen me down, I got to take the witness, the last dance witness stand, and said, "Do you think? Do you believe the story?" I do. I do. I, I do. I, I I do.
1: Michael seems like if Michael Michael wouldn't just make up a story and say it on a documentary. Michael's a type would just not talk about it or, if it wasn't
0: true. Or here's the here's the other thing. The one thing Now, I didn't do this a ton because I was a moderate citizen <laughs> in high school, you know what I'm saying? I ain't do nothing wrong. But the the one thing you found the the few times that I maybe did uh get in trouble in high school. What's the one thing You realize when you're the story you tell. Less is more. You don't have too many details because the more details, the greater chance of a discrepancy. You know, like so. If you know there has been night, right? I mean, I'm sure you snuck out in high school. We snuck out. Did something like you know? There's always that. Okay, what are you telling your parents? Yeah. And all it is is we were at. So-and-so's we, house. We were at Jake Mulazin's house. A movie. That was it. Yeah, like, that was it. You don't be like, we went to Jake's house, and then we went to Taco, we went to Amigos, and then Bo got a number three, and I got a number four, but Bo said he actually wanted a number two. You don't – you don't because then there's a greater chance of, like, you getting caught in an inconsistency.
1: And you can just tell when somebody's telling you something, the more they say, the more you don't
0: believe them. So, I guess my point is, let's say this pizza food poisoning story is not even true. Jordan – Jordan would just say, yeah, I had, a, I had the flu. I just woke up uh, in the middle of the night, I had the flu, and that was it. Like, you wouldn't go into a pizza thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, I think I, I think I I believe that story. Well, um, you
1: know, they're clearing it up. It's called the flu game, but it's, you know, stomach flu or, or food poisoning are kind of linked It's the same yeah, thing, food, right? Yeah, right. So, food, it was never
0: the food poisoning game. It was always the flu game. Well, like you said, the flu can be the stomach flu or the regular flu, like... You know, and and that's all. I bet the Bulls just said Michael Jordan's having flu-like symptoms. Oh, it's both. You already – boy, that's where it starts. After one whiskey, that's where it starts. That's where it starts that's with the whiskey. That's where it starts. Take a good man to talk shit after one whiskey. After two then, whiskeys. After two whiskeys. I respect that man. <laughs> but uh, – You got some work
1: to do, my friend. I do have
0: some work to do, but I like this stogie right here. <laughs> <laughs> but that's an amazing game. It's an amazing game, an amazing performance where he dug deep inside himself for that and put on one of the – like, it's the flu game. When we write down, you know, uh, the 89 Cavs shot, uh, 91, oh, a spectacular move by Michael Jordan. You know, switching hands. Then we have the shrug. Then we – you know, like, all – like, the flu game is one of the five to eight moments in Jordan's career. Probably the most uh, impressive
1: feat of will of his. Yes. Probably was. I mean, that's one that you just go to perform at the level that he performed with not just nothing in the tank. Like, you're, like, negative in the tank. Right. It's like your body's working against you. It's, right. It's shutting you're you down. You're dehydrated.
0: You haven't kept – you've thrown up everything. Uh, you've all, all that stuff. Uh, but with – so with that final series, let's back up. And this really means, like when I talk about this, I need to grab my baseball bat as I'm physically grabbing my baseball bat. How about the story of when Jordan is retired and he the Jazz are playing the Bulls and he goes to the facility to say hi to Stockton and Malone. And little dumbass Byron Russell talk smack to Jordan. Why'd you have to leave? Why'd you have to quit? Why'd you? Because you know I could guard you. All this stuff. And Jordan said after that point he made the list. You and I both said like because there you know there's always been a uh, some for some reason there's there's sometimes I've I've had these moments where I'm like you know wow like think if you're Russell like what do you think if you're Byron Russell you are like known <laughs> for like. On your tombstone, it would basically say, here lies Byron Russell. Yes, that Byron Russell that got his ass crossed up in the most iconic shot in NBA history. Mm-hmm. And there's an element of, like, you kind of not – don't feel bad for me. like, God, that's just like, wow. Like, imagine your life is remembered by that. But, like, for some reason, hearing that story made me lose all – any – whatever – Sympathy. Sympathy yeah. I was going to have for him went out the window.
1: Because – What do nope you people doing? don't learn? And I don't know if – Here's what I don't know. There's these stories over and over and over again of people talking smack to Mike, which is what the one thing you don't do. And I don't know if that's because Mike adds it on, because Mike's talking smack. Right. Or if people, just because it's Michael, it's you're just so enamored with him and so excited to have a chance to banter with him, That you just say, I'm going to talk. Maybe this is what he wants. This is 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 my way to interact with Mike, so I'm going to talk that smack. But what people never learned is, like, you just can't do it. If you want to compete and and beat him, you
0: can't do that. I just can't believe that what we thought about him in this documentary has been confirmed from the standpoint of this guy was an assassin. Like, he is Steve Buscemi in Billy Madison – With a list of people to kill. And however, whatever happened to piss him off, like if you made the list, you were going to go down. Period. Right?
1: I I think that's what kept him, the weirder his life got.
0: Yeah, maybe that's simplified things for him. The weirder
1: things got with fame and fans and everybody trying to get a piece of him and him just almost not even being he'll never get to live a, a, a normal human life again i think he went more into the littlest thing his competitors said to him he took he took such a, like little offenses to as part of his motivation that was his way of like of keeping it all well on the level for him or
0: something. As Bo, I, I don't got to know. announce people, with Bo pulled some more uh, whiskey in his glass. So shout out to Bo Rude right now. But uh, I think you're right from the standpoint of like also, I should have brought more ice down here. That's my bad. Rookie mistake. No, you're good. Uh, Scott Burrell mistake here. Um, Scott Burrell, if I ever see Scott you, Burrell, game? if I ever see your arm? Arm? you, I'm going <laughs> ass. It's going to be a Bar room bro. <laughs> but I think when you're on the mountaintop, like you almost have to manufacture things to keep yourself yeah. sharp, you know? And for him, a conversation that happened three years, two years prior with Byron Russell was enough for him to be like, yep, this is it. This is what's going to ignite the fire for this series.
1: But I, he was looking for it. Mike was looking for those moments. That's what people, I don't Can think, I? fully grasped, is how much, as much as he was bigger than everybody else, he will, even if you were Byron Russell who was not anybody special, Mike was looking for you to do that that's what he he needed that and these people thought that they were getting a banter with Michael and all they were doing was giving him what he needed which was that little bit to store in his mind to give him motivation in 2 years to
0: to go out there and actually give it his all do you and I don't I want to stay focused but I wanted to ask you this cuz one of the things I've been thinking about I don't know why I've been thinking about this is how this would impact me if I watched this when I was if I watched this documentary when I was 13 years old, 16 years old, 20 years old, and I still was playing. And so this
1: is a good stream of thinking here, okay? Cause I, cause the Have you more been thinking I, about that too? Or well, like- so so here's what I've been thinking. The more I watch this, this is very different than what most people try to – the stories these the, the modern players are trying to tell – there's a whole generation of young kids that their their attitudes are going to change forever now. That's right. That's where it starts. And I think we might have some tougher some tougher kids coming up l- legitimately just from watching this video. Okay. From I this gotta, documentary.
0: Unfortunately, whiskey. That's where it starts. That's where, that's where it starts. But, but uh I think, you know what I'm saying, though. I do, but and the reason I brought, I I totally agree. But one of the things that I was thinking about back in my like, as I referenced in my athletic career, however small it was, I did you did you like what? When I was going to compete, I didn't think like Jordan, in the sense that like I didn't. When I went to play against Lincoln High or against Iowa State or against Southern Illinois, I wasn't thinking this guy, like, I'm going to prove, like, an individual thing, like, I create individual things. Like, in some ways, team sports has kind of taught you to, like, don't make it about you. It's about just winning. Hmm. And I wonder if – a part of me wonders if I maybe missed the boat on that or I just – I don't know. I thought there was – there's something interesting to be said on, like, what motivated – Who is
1: the best player in middle school? Tyron Camby. Tell me you did not have – you did yeah, not maybe, yeah. have I him on prove, your, you. I know wanted what I mean? to prove that, that was a personal. So I, I think maybe, the, maybe subconsciously, yeah. Maybe here's right. the difference. I think when it comes to being like a great player or going against a singularly great player, that's where you take those those things on. Like the person that becomes like the the one guy that challenges you. I think that's that's where those things happen. A lot of times with some team sports, and I, I felt like this in college football. A lot of times, there wasn't always a guy on the other team that I was really concerned with, but but occasionally, like Chase Daniel was one that I was like specifically like I don't want to get Chase Daniel. Chase w- Daniel was kind of on my list, <laughs> but there wasn't all. It wasn't always the case. But when we went against Adrian Peterson, I was like. I gotta be laser focused on this guy. Only this guy can't get by me, or this, you know. So that was. Usually, it was like the the special guys made you go the, that to that place. I guess I, I don't know. With a lot of team sports, so I think it's more just like do your job. Football is a lot of just Football's do your do job. very do your
0: job, but as a team, like. Like, I think back to, you know, like, when we would play high school football, high school basketball, or when we played in the Missouri Valley Conference Tournament Championship game, like, I wanted to win those games just because I wanted all of us – I wanted to win. Like, I didn't really – I wasn't as concerned.
1: I agree, but if they had if they had a Michael Jordan on their team and you had to guard him, you would have been somewhere else on, like, that person. I don't know. Yeah. I, I think something changes with, like, the really good players – that you have to face, but I, I do know what you mean. Overall, with team sports, I more thought about th- the game in its entirety.
0: Yes, and so uh, yeah, like I'm thinking, I'm thinking. Uh, I just have thought a lot about what motivated me when I played and why, and you know, like I've just thought of, of this. This documentary has caused me reflect on that a lot. Yeah, and. Yeah, I just don't – I don't know if – but I also think I just, like, when it comes right down to it, we weren't wire, wired quite like Jordan was wired. But uh, but the one thing is true is, like, revenge, Like revenge, we owe these guys. These guys beat us last year. Or they beat us the last time we played them. We owed them. Those stuff, that stuff is real. But I always viewed it through, like, a team lens.
1: I bet you – but
0: here's what but maybe, I – Maybe – Here's what I argue like, with. It's hard to remember exactly what you were thinking, like, 15 years ago. I don't
1: remember you know? exactly what I was thinking. I also think Michael – paints the picture that's all he was thinking. I think that's later in his career. I bet you when he was at North Carolina in his first handful you're right. of years you're right. it was a little bit less like that, but it's also when it's the NBA and it's your job, you're trying to find motivation some for 82 games or a it's different when you got a limited amount of games. So if you asked Michael Jordan in college how he felt, I think it would have been different.
0: That's a great point because I doubt like in the 82 finals he wasn't like Patrick Ewing uh, th- there's gonna be. I'm gonna show people there's a difference between me and Patrick Ewing before. that like, I bet he was just he wasn't thinking. The,
1: like su- that. the search for motivation in high school, college, you don't need it because you get 20 or 30 games a year. So right. it's every game matters. Every game is so important that the game speaks for itself. 84 game seasons for 15 years. That's where guys have to like. You gotta find. You gotta reasons. find it. Yeah. Okay, and Mike. Me, that's how Mike did it. I
0: think. let me bring it back to. Uh, let me. T- we, we took an exit. Now we're getting back on the ramp. 98, right? No ninety. I want to say with 97 real okay. quick because I think I want to talk about Steve Kerr for a second. Hey, guys, quick break to talk to you guys about Pella windows and doors. And uh, I, I want to make sure that you guys understand that Pella windows of Omaha and Lincoln, they're following CDC guidelines uh, during this coronavirus situation. They can safely serve any of your window and door needs in the showroom or in your home. All the employees at Pella and the customers are are completing a COVID-19 questionnaire as provided by the CDC prior to entering the showroom, entering the office, and uh, any uh, potential customer's home. And all the employees are required to self-quarantine for a recommended 14 days if uh, that individual comes into contact with someone who's tested positive, if they traveled anywhere outside of the Omaha-Lincoln area. Bottom line, they are taking all the necessary precautions to make sure that they are safe and you are safe so you can safely move forward with your window and door needs. And uh, on top of all that, as a result of all this stuff with the coronavirus, uh, Pella is offering temporary special financing options. They are now available. So, man, now is the time to take advantage of these special rates and uh, put that value back into your home, and you have that peace of mind knowing that all the necessary safety uh, protocol and precautions have been uh, put into place by Pella, so you know the whole time you can feel safe. Give Pella a call, 402-493-1350, or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. That's PellaOmaha.com, because I thought I think Kerr ended up being a pretty instrumental part of, this, of the final, like, Three-ish episodes. Steve Kerr became like a big part of like Kerr was a huge part of their f- last threepeat. Yeah, and you know with Kerr, there's a you know you, you and I were talking. I'm not so sure. There's not like a more interesting basketball person to just dis- to talk hoops with than him. When you think about all that, like he was with Jordan and won th- and and won three titles. Then he goes to the Spurs with Pop, a different dynasty, wins two titles. And then he's the coach of the Golden State Warriors. As my wife looks down at us as she's laughing at what we're doing right now. Don't act like you're not impressed, honey. I've never seen your wife more impressed with you right now. That's the way it stop, baby. That's where way it stopped. But with Kerr. He's 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 seen so many different sides of basketball excellence that like when he talks, it is fascinating to me. I never i, I it's crazy how you would you wouldn't you don't think about like such a horrible event that like his dad was not murdered, he was assassinated. I I somehow missed that story all these years.
1: That was unbelievable, unfathomable that that happened to his dad. I,
0: I that was emotional to listen to. Like when Kerr. When Kerr really opened up about his dad, that was like, You boy, see the problem is when I watch stuff with you, you make it so I have to man up. I you man, man up though. I have to man up. But I was getting a little misty eyed with that. But like that's an unbelievable story that his dad was shot and then how he his escape from uh, you know, thinking about those things or really like was he just poured himself into basketball. Yeah. And it was cool to hear what I thought was really cool what Kerr talked about was how much he learned from Paxson. Like, he picked John Paxson's brain not on how to – it wasn't, like, necessarily how to, like, be be a good basketball player. It was all in the lens of what do you have to do to be on Michael Jordan's good side and earn his trust and help him, which what? was
1: really cool. That's a weird – isn't that amazing thought, like – What do you got to do to earn Michael's trust? Like, what do you got? Like, Michael, like to go into battle with Michael, here's what you got to do. Like, that's the standard he held people to on his team. Like, if you want to go, like, to earn the right to compete with me, you got to do
0: this. Because I bet, like, I just wonder how how applicable that is to other things. Like, you were drafted by the Patriots. I wonder if rookie tight ends when they were coming in to – the Patriots had to pick Gronk's brain on like what is Brady like? What do I need to do to like, you know?
1: Uh- but but that's on those players though. So right. the thing is like you can't make a guy you can't make a guy want to be like in that role, right? Steve Kerr, before he was on the bulls, saw Paxson and, and knew that's the job for me. That takes that takes foresight, right? and you got to like put yourself out there.
0: Well, and I think I think what you just said speaks to my favorite thing about Steve Kerr and it's I don't I'm not sure there's a guy that has greater self-awareness than Steve Kerr. And greater humility than Steve Kerr from the standpoint of like what you just said like he he saw like okay this is the, he, here's here's the guy like this is my role this is what I need to try to do how can I maximize in that and even when he talks about himself he doesn't I mean this is a guy both that won five championships hit huge like championship winning shots that we're about to get to in, into in a second and he and and this guy doesn't like he doesn't have a uh you know, you talk to old players and they always want to – and I maybe was like this. I've been impressed with you over the course of your post-football career. You've never had – you've been comfortable in your own skin about who you are as a player. I'm sure you've been around certain players that want to puff up their chest like, hey, well, you know that I did this and I did that and I was pretty good. You've always had this comfort about you that I admire. Like you've never, ever – puffed up your chest and been like well you know I was first team all big 12 well you know I was drafted by the Patriots well you know I did do this I did do that like you've never had that which I admire and Kerr could could puff up his chest but Kerr has has always had a had a humility about him that I always really really admire and appreciate.
1: Yeah Kerr, Kerr is uh, and I think he, the more you learn about his family you know his family's a bunch of that was a teacher uh professor at ucla his mom's right. a professor as well like so a family of academics i mean it, it makes a lot of sense with how thoughtful he is about everything right you name the topic and he steve, can like steve kerr could be a good president someday i'm, yes. I'm convinced of it he's like a right. really he's just a really thoughtful guy um but you know i don't know where that comes from with with kerr um in, in terms of just like the humility he has, but it just, it is, it must've came from his parents. It's it's
0: amazing. But then one of my favorite, and you've, I've seen the clip a million times, but it's still so cool to see it again. One of my favorite all time behind the scenes thing in sports. And obviously in this documentary, the huddle in game six of the 1997 finals, where Jordan with the Gatorade cup real close to his face and the towel kind of over his head, turns to Steve Kerr and gives him that look like hey they're coming off me be ready. And Kerr yeah, jokingly said he was like, "Okay, Michael, I'll be, I'll be ready if they come out if they if they come Way off you." We to be you. discreet. Uh, wait, yeah, wait, wait, wait to not give it away or whatever, but and and then it comes to fruition. Like Jordan, one of the things that that is amazing is and Jordan even talked about it after the fact on like the end of his career the mental, I'm not so sure the mental side of Michael wasn't greater than the physical. How he had, he? there wasn't any scenario, situation, look, moment that he hadn't seen before and didn't know exactly how to handle it and what to do. And he knew in that moment in the NBA Finals, I mean, think about this. This is like a huge timeout, and he has the, the foresight and the intuition and the instincts to turn to Steve Kerr, who's never been in this moment, and say, hey, you, it's your time. Be ready. Like, he basically – he was Bran Stark from Game of Thrones and pre- saw it. Like, they're going to come double me. I'm the one-eyed raven. I'm the one-eyed raven. <laughs> I'm the, and, and it's coming to you, and it comes, Jordan – you know – Pivots through the double, hits Steve Kerr, and there are a lot of swishes in this world. That was a swish. It's it, it just one of my. That's one of my favorite because I love Steve Kerr, but that's just one of my all-time. Like everything about that sequence and who's involved is. It's the cool part about sports. Is like you have this alpha greatest of all time needing the. The little engine that could that always had to overcome and maximize and and prove his stripes earn his wings, I think Jordan even said it fact like Steve Kerr earned his wings tonight, like all coming together to win it to win his fifth championship well, it's it's the moments the Paxson shot and the Kerr
1: shot are the two plays in Jordan's career that you pointed to Michael Jordan as the guy that go that became the, the ultimate t- winner when he learned to trust teammates, right? That right. that's that's the part that like sort of completed the Jordan narrative that like it wasn't just Michael scoring Michael, it was Michael elevating everybody and, and Michael trusting teammates and making them better
0: too. Absolutely. Um and then Kurz uh at the championship parade or championship press conference. His that's one of the great that, that's a great story, that's I'm hilarious. So that's George, you know, Michael's not too comfortable in these spots. So I, I'll i have to barrel out Michael It's Great. Uh, all right. You ready to go to 1998? Let's do it. Hey.
1: Nick, this is the last dance of our last dance podcast. Will
0: you do this with me once a week? Smoke a stogie and drink whiskey and just talk to me? Because this, I got to tell you. This is fantastic. We're getting down to the nub, though. We are. This goes faster than I thought. Jordan was smoking a stogie that was, like, laughably enormous at the end of the documentary. Mm-hmm. Uh, so let's get to 98. So all we got, really, in 98 and in in, epi- in these two final episodes was the Pacers series and the Jazz series. Anything uh, with the Pacers series so jump for, out at you? So for me, it's... What stood out,
1: I think, of all these competitors that Michael has gone against, I think Reggie Miller is by far the most underrated. Totally agree. Reggie Miller, I would argue, is the most fearless of all those competitors. Like, Reggie's confidence was it was almost eye-opening how like, it almost didn't matter that Michael was Michael. Reggie was going to be Reggie. Reggie's not as good as Michael. Reggie's not as physically talented as Michael. But Reggie was not afraid of
0: Michael. Like, right. I think
1: some guys were. Right. And I don't think Reggie got rattled like that by Michael.
0: Like, that aura. Because there was a... There got, by, by the second three-peat, in particular, 90, 96, 97, and 98, like there was a psychological advantage that Jordan had over everybody. Mm-hmm. And, and I thought it was interesting that Stockton said... I love Stockton's answer about that too. is like, I just, I don't know how you're supposed to compete against someone if you are in awe of them. Yeah. Which is very true. But I'm, I'm with you. Reggie, Reggie, maybe more so than any other than Especially any other, somebody that went head to head against
1: him. It was like, guarded him. Guarded him. him. And, I think everybody
0: that, you, that guarded him or like
1: truly like went sort of head to head with him, I think they backed off. Yeah. I mean, even Barkley by at some point gave him his best shot and went, I can't beat Michael. I don't think that Reggie ever
0: conceded. No. And those two had a thing. Like they 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 went they they went back in and 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 showed some old clips of them going at it and wanting to fight and those two those two had a thing and I thought it was interesting and Jordan's now one of the to blow smoke like in terms of teams out of the east he said outside of Detroit Indiana pushed us Mm-hmm. More than anyone anyone else did. And one of the things that I thought Reggie put well is um the moment in game seven, the the Pacers were up five, I think, or either up three. And the Bulls win a jump ball. It gets tipped. Jordan wins the jump ball against Rick Smith. And as I choke on my smoke, and it gets t- and it gets tipped to Pippin. Pippin gets it to Kerr. Kerr wet- wets a three, oh. and it was a route. And Reggie made the point that he thought the championship pedigree and championship experience really shine through there. And what's interesting, I had Coach Self was on my pod, and Coach Self said, "Talent trumps everything." He goes, "I even think talent trumps experience." But in situation like in a series, I think experience almost trumps things. And I thought it was, uh, like, I felt like that moment really kind of, and Reggie put it perfectly, that that moment really showed kind of like the uh, – the, experience, the fact that this team had won five championships and they were they were ready for that moment, and in the, in the final six minutes when it was winning time, they showed who the champs were, and as Jalen Rose put it, they looked like a ninth-grade JV team going against varsity.
1: It's that know-how. The, the teams that know how to do it can overcome a more talented potential team. Right. I don't know if the Pacers are more talented. They may have been – They I don't know that they were better.
0: That year, but it yeah, was close. I mean, they were a,
1: they were a deep team. I mean, they had you could argue they had a more physical team.
0: Rick Smiths, the Davis, the Davis, Davis brothers,
1: brothers were not brothers, but they might as well have been brothers. Yeah, they those those guys were big, big physical, and physical dudes. and tough. And then you got Reggie, Mark Jackson, Jalen Rose, I and, mean, Chris Mullen. And, and Chris Mullin. even
0: Chris Mullin, Mullin's Hall of Famer. Yes, I mean, that's that's a deep eight, man. That's, that's a, a really eight? good squad right there, and. They, they dig deep. They win in seven. And I do. we, we got to give a quick shout out. What a great... See, this is what I love so much, what I'd been disappointed in up until these final two episodes was... Remember, the whole premise of this documentary was a film crew was, was granted unprecedented access in the final season. And really, up until these final two episodes, we didn't get a ton of... Amazing behind the scenes stuff I feel yeah. like these final two episodes We got a ton of great behind the scenes stuff And and one of those great moments Was, and I'd never seen this I don't know if you had Bird, who is coaching the Pacers That's the reason why you haven't seen it <laughs> Bird, who's coaching the Pacers and, and Jordan Embraced kind of in like Some hallway after the game And what he's, he said, fuck you
1: he says, he says, fuck you, bitch Fuck you, bitch and Larry. and Larry, and loved, loved, loved it. I mean, just loved it. Larry loved it. I mean, it's only Mike and Larry can have that moment where they're they're both crazy competitors, and they can have that, and that's their way of saying like, "I love you, man." Uh, yeah, great yeah. Game. That, that
0: that that's their language of, "I respect you, I love you." And Mike is- told him,
1: "Go work on your golf game." <laughs> And Larry loved me. That's what real competitors if, if you get beat by somebody that you respect and like you're kind of friends with but like super comp- if they tell you go work on your golf game, yeah, it stings a little bit but you kind of go, yeah, I'll give you that one.
0: You earned it. Jazz 98. Where do you even want to start? What b- before we get to the greatest final 41 seconds probably in basketball history. Uh I think it's
1: it's important to note like that Jazz team got better.
0: Like so they Yeah. They, even though they got that ass kicked in 97. Was that in 97 when they lost by like 40 in game or was that in 98?
1: That was in 98 as well. But it was a better Jazz team and it was it was a they pointed out like in the it was a good series except for one game where they
0: got smoked. And that's basketball though. Yeah. Sometimes it that can happen. And like you just you what you you wave the yeah, you Flag go. I can say, let's let's. To me, that's why you. To me, that's why in basketball you have to play a series. Yeah, that's why you have to play a series. But one wonder- missing one. Did, did Jordan Jordan hit a shot in '97 over 97. Russell seven? Okay, when he made the list, and he just gave the solo fist pump.
1: Okay. So in the f- the first, they lost at Utah in game one. Lost at Utah, then they won three straight?
0: Yeah, because one of the things that I forgot about that series was the Jazz, if you are know how good the Jazz team was, they won game five, down 3-1 in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Where Chicago, I mean, this is, this is Chicago, this is the Bulls, this is Jordan. They went to the United Center and beat Chicago – where they had the champagne there, they had the rings there. That you're not the rings, but like you know what I mean. They, they had everything on ice, ready to celebrate a title, and the fact that they went to Chicago and beat them is a window into how good this team was. Mm-hmm. And the the big thing with that finals, there are, there are a couple things. You have the unbelievable fact that, and it was a little confusing. And I at one point I had to pause and I had to ask you, Rodman went. In between Game Three and Game Four, <laughs> skipped a practice in the NBA Finals, and went and did a WCW event, a WWE, a wrestling event, where he was with Hulk Hogan on TV, in the ring. At one point, is hitting Diamond Dallas Page with a chair. The NWO, Degeneration <laughs> X, all that stuff. I mean that's amazing that that happened. And it's funny; it's
1: almost like that carried into the basketball because then him and Malone were mixing it up, and he was like flopping around. It was almost like he was playing the it's heel just, in, a, in a WCW match. Think, and then he was like, "Remember?" Then he they they smacked each other, and he was like, "He was like, he was almost like he was like acting out." There. Think think if
0: this is the equivalent, and maybe it's not, but I'm gonna try to make this stretch. Think of in the middle of the 2016 NBA finals when the Cavs came back from 3 1, if Draymond in the middle of that series went and did an event with John Cena and like was in, in the middle of the finals. Like it's unbelievable. It's hard to it's hard to imagine. You can't do
1: that stuff. And anymore. it's hard to imagine that, that
0: wasn't it. like, you know, I know Phil had good answers being like, is that a distraction? He's like, no, it's distracting you. We're not distracting, but like it had to have been a little bit of a distraction.
1: Well didn't Phil basically say like he disrespected the team. Right. To the team. He told the team. I don't think Rodman was even there when he said that. But he told the team that, but I think the team was also very aware, like, that's Dennis, and I don't think they actually cared that much. Because it's like I think they knew Because they had Michael and they had they had the titles already like previously, they knew like let Dennis be Dennis as long as he's back, whatever. We're just – the goal is still the goal.
0: So – and I think they always knew with Rodman, there was this element of Rodman's going to do – Dennis is going to do what Dennis does, but when Dennis, and the game comes, De, we know what Dennis is going to be able to do. Truly. Move. And really, Dennis is the whole – his whole role was to just guard and foul – Carmelo Malone, try to get under his skin, and that's really it. They didn't need Dennis for anything else. You know what I mean?
1: And he's a rebounding, like, savant. savant.
0: So, now we got to get into uh, you want to you wanna get to Game 6? Yeah, let's do it. So, it's amazing all the different things that are, are at play here for Game 6. So, they had already blown it in with a chance to win in Game 5. So, here comes Game 6, and again, this is still that their Game 6 and Game 7 are going to be in Utah. So, if the Bulls don't win this one, now they got a Game Seven on the road. Like, who knows? And with and with all of that, the backdrop is how hobbled Scotty was. Jordan basically had to win Game Six on the road at Utah by himself. And the the thing that nobody talks about is Scotty was so hurt that for a while I thought he was kind of being a little like, oh, is he being a wuss? But like,
1: I forgot that he came back and played. Yes, which is shows like the, the
0: courage and the the toughness you want to see. Even, even Jordan gave him the anecdote of like listen, I need you out just you out here. Just be you, out just there. be out here.
1: And that's what's sacrificing so I, I respect to Scottie Pippen. But if they don't win that game, they may lose the series because Scotty would probably be
0: out. I mean he couldn't move like and again like anybody that I don't know if you've ever you've had a bad back. Oh, and I, when and the
1: back goes, when man. When the back goes.
0: I've, I've battled back spasms since my senior year of high school. Like, when your back is locking up, you can't do anything. Like, you can kind of hobble through certain things or whatever. Like, a back, like, you need your back to do everything. You can't lead the way with a back. You can be out there. You can
1: struggle through, but you can't. Like win a game for your team if your back's locked up. That's I mean, it. on a bum ankle, you can drag that thing around. And like still- Isaiah,
0: Isaiah in the finals on a yeah. bum ankle, like found a way. You can hobble your way through it, or a bad shoulder, or something like that, or whatever.
1: But that back, it's it's in the middle of everything, and um, so that made that game six. Looking back on it, infinitely more important that they to win when they had the chance.
0: Because honestly, now again, in a game seven, as long as as MJ, Reggie yeah. would say, that black cat or black Jesus <laughs> is over there. Like I'm still betting – Like if you could teleport me back in time, and and let's say there's a game seven, I'm betting on Jordan. But at the end of the day, there was enough there to to kind of go. I don't know. Like I don't. I wonder who Vegas would have favored. Utah wins game
1: six in Utah, coming back for game seven. That that cr- that crowd. I'm telling you, that crowd was crazy. That well, you saw the little things. The thing was four, amazing. Two or
0: three points every absolutely. Every game. The uh, you know Phil. And those guys had earplugs at times on the court. It was mm-hmm. so loud on the court. So they battle. It's back and forth, and it and there's a minute left. There, there's well, there's a they're down. I think they're down three with a they're minute. They're down to go. three with well, they're down three with 41 seconds left. Yeah. And what ensues is the greatest 41 seconds. From an individual ever, in the context of all that's at stake and who it is, they got to get a two for one. They need a quick basket. Jordan, right hand, Hezzy gets to his get, gets down the lane, tongue out, lays it in, cuts it to one. And then again, like I referenced, at this point, Jordan is is on just another level of of thinking the game, seeing the game, anticipating the game. He understands they're going to post up Malone, Stockton or wherever or was guarding is going to cut through, and he anticipates, okay, he's been battling Carl Malone so much that he's going to be too focused on just battling Rodman that I have a chance to, to lay in the weeds, come off my man, and come strip it. He comes and strips it. Now he's got the ball. Don't call a timeout. Phil, as I love, and I because I, I love this. I'm big on like don't call like why would you call a timeout in that spot? Because you're like all you're gonna try and do is get the ball to the guy who's got the ball, and you're gonna give the defense a chance to set up all that stuff. How to double team. Don't give him a chance to double team him. And Jordan then, left wing, dribble dribble. Scotty or someone cuts through the lane, and and it was smart that he let him cut through the lane, and then drove off where he just cut. Yeah, and crosses him over. Freeze. Where do you come out on the whole push? Like, did he shove him? Did he? Where do you? What do you think?
1: You know, up until watching it again and and hearing Bob Costas talk about it, I always assumed it was a push off. Didn't matter. Blah, blah, blah. But if you were to say, did the push-off matter and look at it, I don't think it did.
0: I don't think it did either.
1: Because he was moving so fast. He was see, stumbling. You could see that the, the force on the push wasn't, it, it almost like if you would have removed his hand, he would have been going anyway. And, yeah, he did He did push off. There, there was a little bit but of the push. force but wasn't the thing that moved Russell. And I never had thought about it there until Costa said he might as well have been a maitre d' at a restaurant just showing <laughs> him the way. <laughs> it was a great analogy because you realize, like, that didn't push Russell over. Russell, like, overextending is what put Russell, oh, like, on the ground. Right. And Mike just came and stopped on a dime, elevates
0: – The most picture-perfect he's. And why why did he hold it, though? Because he had been short all game, and he thought – I know that's one thing I think about as a shooter. Like, when you're short, hold your release. When you're short, finish it, hold it. Yep. And he finishes it, holds it, swish, and in a span of 41 seconds, the guy scores four straight points – no one else touched the ball for Chicago. And it still is amazing to me, and this is where you can poo-poo broadcasters and all that stuff. Like, for Bob Costas in the moment to be able to perfectly put into words what you were seeing is pretty amazing, where he said, if that, if that is the final image of Michael Jordan, what an amazing image. And it was. I mean, this is like out of a movie. You know, I mean, honestly, this is the kind. I you say it like, what what just unfolded is the kind of thing that if that if you pitched it to Hollywood, you would like Hollywood would almost Hollywood would do it because Hollywood does those Hollywood endings, and Nick Ball loves them. But like, it's almost like too perfect. You know what I mean? Like, okay, so this is the great. This is the greatest basketball player of all time, if winning a sixth championship. He's gonna lay up, steal, crossover. You know what I mean? But it, that's what happened in real life.
1: So this is the culmination of of what we've been talking about this whole 10-part documentary, yes. right? Michael Jordan, the greatest, probably physically gifted basketball player to ever live. The greatest competitor to ever yep. play the game. And then... When Michael Jordan's savvy sports knowledge, like, the caught up in the... Like, basically, for the whole 90s, he mentally was like... He was the top guy when it came to thinking the game, too. When those things came together, he gave us so many moments. It's, it's hard to describe. He gave us the Hollywood ending because all those things came together. Right. So the reason that some people get a one-part documentary... And he gets ten. It's because he had all of it. He's the only guy that has it all. He had he had everything, and it's it's, it's just almost hard to fathom like a guy that's that talented, that, that had that much, whatever charisma stuff that he had, and he also had the mind for it too. Like right. it's it's n- almost not fair that one person got it all, but he got it all. It's just it's
0: what makes him the goat to me is like. Is that whole sequence, like when when this when the situation called for it, not only did he answer, he answered perfectly. He answered perfectly. Swish, then Stockton misses a shot, loose ball, rebound, gets batted around, buzzer, Michael holds up six. Ball game. Six championships. Mm-hmm. So I thought it was interesting. What did we. I I thought it was interesting for them to revisit. And then, even the moment where they played, they gave Jordan Jerry Reinsdorf's explanation on breaking up the team and the fact that Reinsdorf told Phil he could come back, all those things. Because it, it circled back. One of the first things we said, and you can go back, and I urge everybody to go back and listen to our Last Dance recap podcast was. One of the first things we talked about in the pod was just the unbelievable unfathomable fact that they were breaking this up. And it just it still is maddening that you wouldn't cuz Jordan has the great line. It's one of my favorite it's one of my favorite lines of his is when Jordan and Scotty and, and Jordan are got champagne, they got the championship hat and shirts on in the Utah locker room and they say they can't win until we quit. And it's just, it is it is unfathomable to me. Like, do I get, like, Dennis was almost toast. Yes. Kerr, you know, had, had probably gotten to the point where he was going to have some value for some other teams, all this stuff. But, like, how do you not, like Jordan said, you're telling me if you offer all those guys one-year deals to come back and go for seven, all of them go for seven. How, it still is unbelievable that those guys weren't, Allowed the opportunity, and Jordan wanted to to run it back and defend their title and get championship number seven.
1: You know, we said this in the beginning, and all it circles back to the end of this documentary with Reinsdorf. You could see it in Jordan's face. Okay, Reinsdorf's not taking any blame for this. Like you are the owner.
0: Yes. How he's gotten a pass with all this is amazing. In the
1: end, if you want Michael Jordan and you want Phil and you want Scotty, make it happen and don't and don't tell me all the factors. Like the reality is, is you're in control. If you want them and you and that's all that matters to you, you'll you would do everything you can to make it happen. Not you know sabotage the thing and then say. Maybe you could come back now, Phil. Would you want to come back yeah, like, after you... it was already over? Like you can't let him have a year of everybody being done, right. and then try to like tell Phil, "We'll do this n- and keep Jerry uh, Krause." Like it, I don't care about Jerry Krause or Jerry. Like those guys' egos were the reason the Bulls didn't have at least one more year, right? And it now, would been they worth have
0: won, it. I don't know. I'm not betting against him. I'm not betting I'm against. I've been against him, but w- but. How do you not allow, just for the very principle of all that we hold sacred in athletics and competition and sports, how do you not allow them the chance, if they want to, which they did, how do you not allow them the chance to defend their title?
1: Self-importance. Those guys thought they were, and their place was more important than... Something that was bigger than them. They didn't understand that those Bulls teams and Michael and Phil and Scotty, that's bigger than them. And they were, they were caught up in their own little, here's what we're doing, moment. Right. And in the end, nobody gives a crap about... The rebuilding Bulls after that, and you know what? The Bulls are probably going to go a long time and not win again. And that's the cur. That's the the sports gods do that. Nebraska football
0: has. There's a little guys. Let me tell
1: you something. I feel some little parallel there. I feel the parallel of like when you mess with the sports gods, they punish you. And the Bulls haven't won in the last twenty years for a reason.
0: Well, it's like how the documentary. It's like. The, you know, this per- Phil Le- Jordan retired. All this stuff. The Bulls began to rebuild, and they and everybody in their mind said, and they're still fucking rebuilding.
1: I don't know that they've. I mean, they made the one Derrick Rose season. They got to the. Did they get the Eastern Conference? They probably got to the Eastern Conference
0: finals. I, don't know, I don't know that for sure. I mean, that was and, the closest they got. Yeah, in the, and and they, they had a little moment with Derrick Rose, but like, they've been rebuilding for been re- twenty-two years.
1: And you know what? One more title was. You would have been eighty percent favorites in Vegas probably the next year because you know what people would have came to play with Michael. Yes, for one more year. If you can't keep Kerr, which
0: Kerr would have stayed, Kerr would have stayed. Who can, yeah, like somebody Pippen, would have? Somebody would have came. MJ, MJ would MJ said like Pippin. Ultimately, if everybody was running it back, Pippin would have ran it back.
1: Pippin had life in him. I mean, it was it's silly to me.
0: Uh, okay, to put a bow on it, I want to go through a handful of guys and just kind of like. What we learned, what we think about him, what we what you know, anything as we wrap this thing up. Uh I want to start with the guy that I'm not so sure that I didn't gain more respect and admiration for and deem them more important in the whole process of it after watching this, and that's Phil. I walked away from this thinking there's this easy thought that everybody wants to go, Phil I mean, listen. Phil had Michael Jordan, who who I mean, how hard was that? Like, I felt like in watching this, it was pretty clear Phil's importance. And even Jordan put it with the whole I thought the final ceremony was pretty cool. Yeah. They all wrote down what being on this team meant to them, and then they like burned it. And Jordan wrote a poem. And Jordan, and I'm paraphrasing, I wish I wrote down, he said something, he goes, Phil had a way of getting you to kind of believe in and buy into the process of things Mm -hmm. and again i think one of the things you find out in sports is like the results are simply a byproduct of the process and you have to pay the respect that the process deserves to get the results phil got those guys to believe that and i I maybe maybe i just got to feel like i i'm you know i got a hard on for phil right now but like I, i don't i've walked away feeling like you know what Phil Jackson, I walked away. I'm not so sure there's a guy that I didn't walk away from this whole documentary with uh, my respect level went up for them more than Phil. Yeah. Phil was a – there was a lot of things trying to pull that thing apart, and Phil, I think, had a bigger hand in keeping that thing together than we we want to give him credit for. What do you think of Phil? He's a
1: special special personality type. He's one of those guys that you – if there's – 10 great coaches. 9 of them are wired one way and then there's a Phil Jackson. Like he is a unique he's a unique personality type that I believe works well with big personalities. So there might be coaches that are great with a certain kind of team, like hard workers, grinders, all in you know, I think Phil is uniquely gifted to handle big personalities.
0: Agree, and it's his gift. And one of the things about sp- about uh, about sp- professional sports is, yes, yeah, you're the triangle offense and figuring out X's and O's and all that stuff. But like, a part of coaching is managing people, and Phil was excellent at that. And I wrote this down. I get it. He had MJ, Pippin, Kobe, and Shaq. But Phil Jackson won eleven championships in a 20 season period from ninety-one to two thousand ten. Eleven.
1: <laughs>
0: oh my God. Think about that. Bo. You can you can you can I, that's why I prep it. You can say, well, he had Kobe Shaq. He won eleven. He doesn't have enough fingers on his body. For all his championship rings, just special, special guy, and that's why part of me is like mad at like how the whole you know he came back and he ran the Knicks and all that stuff kind of went, but like,
1: but that's the I mean that that's you could argue that's the Knicks as much as is him, you know? Right?
0: But I just I don't know, like I I I walked away being really really impressed, and his stature in the Bulls dynasty grew for me. Yeah.
1: It was funny, even Michael, at the end, he's playing the piano, and these guys are asking questions, and he goes, you know the Zen thing we're working on right now is, like, be here? (laughs) Like, the fact that Michael's even thinking that tells you, like, that some of that stuff, as much as you know Michael rolled his eyes at it, was kind of getting through to
0: him. Well, and and it might be just, like, uh, you know, a convenient narrative. Jordan didn't win until Phil got there. And a part of, like, was hit, getting him to realize, to give himself to the team, give himself to the process, and realize that he needs these other guys and all that stuff. And and that culminated in 91 with Paxson hitting a little shots in the fourth quarter of the game that won the title, uh, Paxson in the shot in 93, Curry hitting the shot in 97, all those things. Sure. We we know about the the Utah ninety eight where it seemed like Jordan did that every game. He he needed these other guys. He did, and I think Phil's ability got that out of Jordan. So shouts out to Phil Jackson,
1: for sure,
0: for sure. Uh, Pippin, you know, there's been talk talks that uh, reports that Pippin hasn't liked how he's been portrayed in the Last Dance. Like I think Pippin hasn't. In, like, he hasn't been a huge fan of how everything's been painted
1: because it's all about the 98 season, which is probably like his contract, you know, dispute, dispute. And- one like, so it's, it's probably his, there showed his probably two lowest moments as a teammate have been the focus. The 94, yeah, didn't come Coup out, coach the, yeah. t- makes the shot. They've they, it's been basically that, and the 98 season, which he was
0: sitting out. He, he, part of it. he delayed his surgery yeah, so he I mean, didn't have to play. And all those things. No, like, nobody so, would feel good about it. Scotty's got to live with that. But, like, I don't know. I mean, I, Jordan even said it. And some of this stuff is like, I'm just going to take the man's word for it. Jordan said, you know, like, I don't win six. There is no Michael Jordan without Scotty Pippen. I don't win six championships without Scotty Pippen.
1: They're the dynamic duo. I mean, it, it is. And I, I think the. That last game, where Scotty's back locks up, and he goes out there, and Mike says, "Just we need need you out out here." here. And Scotty was out there, and he was making shots, just being and just being on the floor,
0: diving, setting screens. That that tells
1: you about not just that tells you about Scotty and Mike on the way, where they were, they were together. It was anything it took to win. And that and and they both had their moments. The flu game and, and Scotty with his back. I think those are the those are both moments that show those guys for each other there was never a doubt.
0: I don't know if they did I don't know if the documentary did it justice on just how good of a player he was, to be honest with you because it became yeah. kind of Michael it be, the last dance about the 98 Bulls kind of became all about Jordan, but that's obviously how it's going to go. All you have to know is the greatest duo in basketball history is those two cats. Period. Period. They hit a level in '96, playing with each other and and just chemistry and all that stuff. Like you, you, I, I get annoyed when people disrespect Scotty. You know, like
1: well, I think the biggest compliment you could give Scotty Pippen is you know he might not make the top twenty players ever. But when you say what's the best starting five you could ever put on a floor, a lot of times Scottie Pippen's considered in that starting five because he's the perfect teammate on a great team. Because he plays it, he plays a role that's just like when you have a guy like Jordan; he's the perfect complement. Well, so it's almost like you—they found the perfect combination.
0: Here's, here's how I those it. two. Here's how I'd put it. To to go to the superhero analogy. You could say, Scottie Pippen's the greatest Robin of all time. Yeah, which I think he is. Yeah, but then there's some people who go, well, wait a minute. There's been these Avenger Avengers movies where there's all these superheroes, and you're telling me Iron Man with you know Captain America Captain America is a better better than robin was to um, actually like the literal batman and robin and it's like well the difference is there wasn't a movie called robin
1: like there probably will be soon (laughs) like but yeah just because
0: we got to spread the love but like what i mean by that is like he's the greatest robin of all time because he never played the batman role like he always played that number two role you could be like well what about KD and Steph and Clay, or what about Wade and LeBron? Well, at one point Wade was Batman, and at yeah. one point KD was Batman. Steph was Batman. You know, like Scotty in terms- was always with Michael. Always with Michael. So, in my opinion, he's the greatest Robin of all time. He's the greatest number two of all time. In the in the literal definition of a number two. Yeah. A literal uh, definition of number yeah, two.
1: Yeah, I'm trying to even think in the '60s and '70s, there was never a Celtic or a Laker. But you had
0: Moses Malone and Dr. J. But I mean, again, at one no, point those guys were both Batman. They
1: weren't together that long. No, I
0: mean, they won six. Shaq and Kobe, like both those guys, were eventually wore the Batman. Were Th- Batman. Their
1: problem was that n- neither of them were wanted to, to be, be Batman. Right. Or ne- no, neither one of them be Robin. Oh, I mean, Robin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's exactly. That's why they didn't make.
0: They could have, like, if if. Both. If they would have stuck together and they would have and Who would have been
1: Robin though? Kobe.
0: Yeah. Probably uh, he would have had to have been. I mean, at least Shaq. Shaq, Shaq, Shaq can't Shaq, be. Shaq, Shaq can't be. Like it just I don't know. But, but, but Kobe can't be. But Kobe yeah. can't be. So yeah. that, that's what I'm can't saying. Be like I just Robin think like uh, the one thing about basketball is like the importance of all those intangible things that we talk about and the fact that Pippin was comfortable being that and flourished in that. Mm-hmm. Flourished in that, and as my wife comes down here one last time and is going to take a picture of us, the problem is my my cigar is out. My cigar is That's out. It's all right though. It's good. You for take pictures. one picture of us, baby. Let me get my bat out. All right. That's where it stopped right here. That's where it stop. That's where it star right there. This is making for a great pod here. I just got so much ashes on my microphone. All right, to wrap this up, I was going to talk about Rodman and Kerr, but let's get to the man of the hour, and then we'll be done. Okay, Michael Jordan. Uh, we wanted to go into this thing, learning some stuff. Did we learn anything? Did we? What? It, did you feel like it was more confirmation? Did you like? How did? How? Do, how? How do you feel about how the?
1: I learned more about the essence of Michael, the off the floor Michael, the the practice Michael, the locker room Michael. That's what I got to see. That sort of that dynamic with him and the people around him. That was, man, that was what made him tick, and what made yeah, yeah. But it was just that that the essence of Michael was way more. He's chirping. He's he's kind of bantering it's he's got a lot of energy man like his energy was constant and he was a he was a force of nature kind of all the time and i felt like that was intentionally withheld from us for 30 years like the nba said don't show michael being michael it's show corporate michael which michael has that side to him right corporate michael's come fly with me want to be like time. Mike? yeah all the, like yeah, all right. the things i'm doing gatorade commercials and i'm i'm selling shoes but the real michael jordan got shown more in this video and i think even this withheld a lot but like mike it he likes to mix it up talk, talk some trash, trash gamble and gamble and compete all day long and that was worth its weight in gold to watch that see what
0: I agree on all that. Like, I did think we got a window into what made what what he was really like as a person and what made him tick. Outside of when from North Carolina six six. Outside of that, we got to see all. We got to see that side of it. Did we get to see all of it? Probably not. But I mean, come on. Who's ever really f- divulging everything about themselves? No. But I think one of the things that is amazing about Jordan from this whole documentary is like, he, and one of the one of the reasons I think he had the last he's had the the beyond all of the the moments and being at his best when the 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 lights were at its brightest and on the biggest stage. I don't know if there's ever been a player that was more just about winning than he was. Like we talk about the ultimate competitor. And all that stuff, but like he was, 100 percent. All he cared about. I really don't think he cared about narrative, like like where the credit was handed or all that stuff. Now he may have cared about like I want to know your I want people to know I'm better than than Drexler or something like that. But all he cared about was winning. And I think that allowed him to endure, push through, hit different checkpoints, not worry about anything else. Because the end goal was winning. Even when Doug Collins is fired, Jordan's average, you know, he had his best year. I mean, think about it. He had his best year, and Doug Collins is fired, and he embraces Phil, buys into Phil, because all he wants to do is win. And one of the things that I wish I could get across to young athletes and what I want to say to the Creighton guys I'm around or whatever is when you get older, like I just turned 36 last week, and you reflect on your career or you tell people about your career, one of the the realities of those conversations is the only thing people care about is did you win? Nobody really cares about Well, I averaged 14 a game. Well, did your team win? No, we were uh, three games. We went 13 and 18, and we didn't make the NCAA tournament. No one cares. No one cares. That's the thing I always want to get across. Like, when I reflect on my career, and I'm sure you're the same, like, all you think about and care about is winning. And I think he understood that better than anyone. And he took no shortcuts in the in the in the pursuit of doing that. And he ultimately got there. Now, did he have help along the way? Yeah, sure. Mm-hmm. But this is a guy that recognized that, put in the work combined with all the natural gifts that he had, and you combine all those things, you got yourself the goat. The GOAT. You got yourself the GOAT, right? Unarguably, the GOAT. He is the greatest of all time. So do we, we wrapping this bad boy up, brother? Let's wrap it. Let's toast it. One last it. drink of whiskey. I'll try and get everyone to cling it. There we go. To the last dance. This has been so much fun. Man. Uh, shout out to Michael Jordan. Shout out to Chicago Bulls. Shout out to Bo Rude. Uh, before we take this drink, for one final time, to echo into my entire neighborhood. What time is it? Game, Game time. Hoo. All right. My thanks to Pella Windows and Doors. If you're thinking about a new window or a new front door, now is the perfect time. Give Pella a call at 402-493-1350 or check them out online at PellaOmaha.com. We will see you next time on the Nick Bob Podcast.
1: Production.